Hello and welcome to Meet My Potential podcast. This is Deepa Natarajan, your host, that Indian girl from Toulouse in France. And today in this episode, we are going to talk about mind traps and how to thrive in complexity. We have with us a very, very special guest, Jennifer Garvey-Berger. Jennifer has a master's and a doctorate from Harvard University. She coaches some of the top world leaders. And she teaches and runs many leadership programs. She has written three books, the last one being Unlocking Leadership Mind Traps, How to Thrive in Complexity. It is such an honor for me to have Jennifer here with us. And before we begin this episode, if you haven't checked out our latest events, do head over to www.meetmypotential.com slash events for our new upcoming events. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm curious now about what's on your events page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, lots of interesting retreats and retreats, especially with mindfulness and yoga in place. Beautiful. Beautiful. So important these days, huh? More important than ever. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your new book. I read the book and it is so simple and yet so important for today, the mind traps that we all get into and how do we need to thrive in complexity. Tell us a little bit about it. Thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I've been writing from pretty much my whole career about how is it that we grow ourselves and how is it that the world makes new demands upon us to deal with the mounting complexity of the world. And What is it that we can do to actually create the conditions for our own growth to be able to better handle that complexity? And so I write books, I do leadership programs, I talk to lovely people like you to get the word out about how people grow and change. And still, lots of leaders were saying to me, Jennifer, this is all great that you do all this stuff. Could you just tell me like a couple of things I could do differently? Like, could you just go as fast as possible? I don't have time to do all these other things. So could you go fast? And so I really took that on, you know, and I thought in a really small package, what could I say that of all my research and all my teaching and all my experience, what are the most important pitfalls for us to avoid? And that's how I came up with this idea of the mind traps. And as I researched them, I found that they're actually... Each of these mind traps is a very sensible response that our body has evolved into over time. And the only problem is that what it evolved into for a simple world is completely ineffective in a complex world. Mm -hmm. So what are those five mind traps that we get into? So we are trapped by our sense of rightness, the way we tend to think we are right. We're trapped by the simple stories we tell about events and people. We are trapped by our desire to identify with, align with, agree with people in our tribe, and the opposite, our desire to polarize and push away from the people who are not in our tribe. We are trapped by our desire for control to put our hands on things and make them happen. And we are trapped by our own egos. We're trapped by the way we have worked hard to become who we are today. And we do not believe so much, research says, in the possibility that we might be different tomorrow. 
And that keeps us from growing into our full possibilities. Mm-hmm. Your book is extremely simple to read. And I read each one of these mind traps in your book. And I said, oh my God, I want to know the solution. I want to know the answer of how can we get out of these mind traps? And it was so easy, things that you mentioned. So I know we don't have time to go into all of the mind traps today in this call, unfortunately. And yet I think one of the mind traps that I love the most personally and think the trap that I get into most often and I see most of my clients also get into is the mind trap of control. Can you tell us a little bit more of that? Because we're also wired to achieve our goals, to move forward, to get things done. And that sense of attachment that we have to move towards our goal and then suddenly say, let go of control and not check. That's a hard one. Yeah, the as with all these other traps, the trap here isn't our desire, but it's the way our desire tricks us into a simple execution of that desire. We care about making things happen, right? It's incredibly important to us. Control has been incredibly important to us as humans to have agency to make things happen. Look at how far it's gotten us. You know, we are the only creatures on the planet that can so fundamentally change our environment and change the conditions of our lives. And we do that because we have a goal and then we like control circumstances and we make it happen. The problem is that in complexity, complexity tends to make people anxious. And when we are anxious, we tend to over control things. And that over control has exactly the opposite effect of our desires. So leaders sometimes will over control a situation so that a bad thing doesn't happen again. And as they clamp down, actually the culture suffers so much that many more bad things start to happen. A parent over controls their kid. And as they are doing that, the kid rebels against this and worse things happen because the parent has clamped down. So we set ourselves up for these perverse and unfortunate consequences because we can't trust to let the complexity of the situation itself do a little bit of the work. Mm-hmm. It's a very fine borderline difference between over-controlling, watching what your people are doing, or controlling your child, saying these are the boundaries, this is what you get to do, or this is what you don't get to do, versus letting go a bit. There's a very fine line there. Yeah, you don't want to let go so much that you just shrug your shoulders and say, oh, nothing can be done. Which is why in Mind Traps, I try to help people think about control in a new way. So instead of thinking I can control outcomes, which in complexity you can't, and in the modern world, almost every outcome we want is complex. You can't actually put your hands on it and make it happen. You can't make your children successful. You can't make your business successful. You can't make your team innovate, right? Like all these things we wish we could make, but you can't go out and buy that. You can't order that from Amazon. That's the sort of thing that arises after a series of conditions are in place. So leaders need to think about what conditions can I create and how can I experiment my way into making these good things happen? It's a complete paradigm shift between how can I influence the system? Because we've been bought into thinking or believing 
that it's we who make the business successful, that we are instruments, that's our responsibility, that it is our responsibility to make our teams innovate. That, that's my position. That's my role. So we've bought into that. We've not just bought into it. Our systems are designed to reward that and to punish the opposite of that, which is why you have these like crazy things like CEOs often get rewarded for what's going on in their organization today, even when everybody can see that the conditions of today were created by their predecessor. There's research about this in Hollywood CEOs because Hollywood studio CEOs tend to be rewarded for how many blockbusters they have in their first one or two years. The decisions about those movies were decided, you know, like at least one and maybe two CEOs ago. But so that if you have a terrible thing come out your first year as a Hollywood CEO, it's like you had literally nothing to do with that. So it's about changing the way the systems operate. Yeah. And it's about changing the way our internal systems operate as well as our external systems. Because our need for control is the thing that often sets up these external systems that are so unhelpful. Can you give an example of a leader who is not trying to control and yet trying to influence and make his team successful or be more innovative? Yeah, many of the leaders I work with are on this quest. So they tend to move from being leaders who want to put their hands on things and double check what their team is doing and see whether their team is managing it right and do this and do this and do this to leaders who are trying to shape culture and trying to shape practice at a much higher level and who say, you know, I trust the team to do a good job. I trust the team to be responsible. And I believe that, you know, mistakes will happen because we're human beings, but those mistakes, we just want to learn from each one and get better and better and better. We want to make mistakes that are not damaging. So we want to have small experiments and we want to create a culture where we can talk about our learning and our failure together. And the leaders that I know who are making that shift are creating just enormous liberation, whether they're leading a small team or a massive organization, these leaders are creating the conditions for the people around them to flourish. Fantastic. So creating conditions for people to flourish would be a great way of influencing the system and rather not controlling and micromanaging things. Indeed. So what's one tip that you would give for a leader to let go a bit of that control? I think it's an experiment with stopping. What could you (laughs) stop doing and see what would happen? Whenever I give my clients this homework to stop, like we have to negotiate the terms, you know, like, oh, what am I stopping and for how long? Like, what if you didn't prepare for all your meetings next week by reading all the decks that your direct reports send you for you to check up on their work? What if you didn't do that? What if you didn't produce all the billions of reports that you're supposed to produce, you know, for three days? Like a very time-bound experiment in stopping. Like what happens? And what people tend to find is that nothing. At first, nothing happens. You know, like (laughs) you think the world is going to end and actually nothing happens. 
the quality of their conversation tends to go up because instead of talking about this thing or this metric or this report or this number on, you know, line C75, all of a sudden we're talking about what's actually going on. What are you really struggling with? What are your genuine successes? And so the next thing that happens is like this little taste of liberation for both the leader and the team, because the leader can say like, oh, that's a whole piece of work I don't need to do. The team can say, oh, that's a whole piece of work we don't have to prepare anymore. And we can just do our jobs. And now we're going to be able to do our jobs better because, you know, that drag is gone of having to prepare for this thing. And we can be a little bit more creative. We can be a little bit more thoughtful about what we're going to do because we know we're not going to have to put it in some spreadsheet. And very quickly, massive changes begin to unfold. You unlock so many things in just that. There's a tendency for a green culture today. And as you stop doing so many of the reporting and you create space for trust, you allow people to focus on the essentials. And you allow people to actually explore their own expertise and what's possible for them. And you let them drive their work. And we know that that's better. We just know that that's better. There's this little demon inside us that says, if we don't keep our eyes on things, then people will, you know, not do a good job. Everybody wants to do a good job. You know, psychological studies of people in all walks of life have shown that we all do better when we have a sense of purpose and meaning and agency. Like these are the core motivational building blocks And by letting go of control, a manager gives those things back. Great. Wonderful sense of liberation that brings more creativity to people. What would actually get in the way? When you have given this homework to leaders, what actually got in the way of them trying to do this? Fear. People are afraid of things going wrong and being blamed for them. So in a larger organizational culture where people get punished a lot, It's very, very hard to put this down because the fear is real. Like maybe I'll lose my job is an empty fear in some cultures and it's a very real fear in others. So fear of things going wrong, fear of how this is going to play to their superiors. One of the most interesting fears in the conversations with the very senior leaders I work with is fear that they won't be needed in some way. Like if I don't do this, What value am I adding? So this kind of equation of the control I exert with the value I add, when those are often opposites. Mm -hmm. What happens to my job? I won't be needed anymore in the system if everything becomes digital and if we just transform our organization, what happens to my department? That's right. That's right. So people worry if I'm not looking over those spreadsheets, if I'm not having a call three times a week with those people, like what's my actual job? And I have leaders who are really worried about, do I even have what it takes to be strategic? You know, like one of the things they discover when they start to let go of control is they get more time. What are they supposed to do with the time? They're supposed to do with the time the things they say that they don't have time for, like thinking long-term, thinking strategically, thinking about the big challenges. And some of them say, you know, I realize I kind of don't have very much practice doing that. And I, I'm afraid I'm going to 
do that really badly. So there are all these fears that keep us trying to control other people. Because we don't have practice in thinking strategically and thinking long-term, we go back to doing things that we know to do. That's exactly right. We go back to doing the simple things that have, you know, you could put on a to-do list and you could tick it off at the end of the day. And those things are often not only a waste of time and complexity, but actually counterproductive. So this is all so linked to ego. So these mind traps are not independent of each other. What I can see is like the mind trap of control is quite linked to the mind trap of ego then. They're all really linked to the mind trap of ego. Sometimes I think of that one as the master switch, you know, the one that helps us see ourselves in these other traps and that helps us eventually grow able to fall less and get out faster. (laughs) So do you have like a magic wand? Do you have the key when the fear seems kind of real for people to make that change? No, (laughs) I don't have any wands. (laughs) No. In this case, I have compassion, right? I think that one of the core requirements for growth when we're afraid is compassion. Compassion for fear, compassion for how hard it is, compassion for the person we have been and how much that person is like, holding on with her fingernails, (laughs) compassion for how hard it is for humans to say, yeah, I need to change. I need to change. This thing that I'm doing, it's actually, it worked for so long and it's not working now. Because it's costing us something to be there in that kind of a culture. Yeah, we have to make sense of what it's costing. You know, for many years, my clients used to come to me and they used to say, you know, we have these leadership competencies and we want a leadership program based on these competencies and blah, 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 blah. And I would say there's complexity and there's adult development and there are these things. And they'd say, yeah, 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 whatever. But what we want are, you know, these 16 competencies and we want them in 20 minutes. (laughs) And now they come and they say, the way we're doing it, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I have a sense that it's not what we're doing. I have a sense it's who we are being that is the problem. And I can't figure out what to do about that. And this is where ideas like adult development and complexity theory are very useful because it gives us new options. And I love the last question in your book, who do we want to become? Yeah, it's a question I carry with me all the time. And I find it inspiring to let the person we could be guide us into the future. It's a way of telling us that we have not arrived. And we have never arrived and we will never arrive. I mean, the human obsession with arrival is funny for a a mortal species, you know, like the thing is the journey is actually the point that's called life. That's what we're doing. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. And before we bring this to a closure, I want to read an extract of your book, which has really stuck with me. So if I may, it's at the end of your book. It says, our writing of simple stories, our sense that we are right, our desire to get along with others in our group, our wish for control, and our constant quest to protect and defend our egos will always be part of us. 
And so it will. So we are made. And if we don't work on these, then they will become part of our downfall. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, our bodies were designed for the simple world and we no longer live in a simple world. So figuring out how do we pay attention to who we are being and choose the next great version of us. That's kind of, that's the new question for leaders <laughs> and leadership development, I think. <laughs> Thank you so much. So if you'd like to leave one last message for the audience, what would that be? I think it's the, to really pay attention to the ways you are a work in progress and to see in this time where we have more machines and smarter machines than we've ever had before, how it is that our human capacity to grow, to change, to observe ourselves, how can we coax that into a more central position in our lives and let the machines do the machine thing. What we want to do is the human thing. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the wisdom that you have shared with us. And uh, for the listeners, if you want to read the book, it's available on Amazon. It's called Unlocking Leadership Mind Traps, How to Thrive in Complexity. I'll put the link in the show notes and you can reach out to Jennifer in cultivatingleadership.com. Is that right? Perfect. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. So if you like this show, please do go rate us on iTunes so that we can spread the word on this podcast. <laughs>